Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, here we go again. Welcome along. It is episode 118 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley. Alongside me this week, I am Mr. David Cameron Walker. Hello. Hello, sir. Interesting evening on Saturday, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> None of which needs to be discussed on this forum. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, Mr. James Knight is back. Guten Abend. Hello. I'm, um, I'm in trouble using my full name. Yes. That's why um, I'm in trouble. I know uh, you, um, you've been away. Have you've been you? off the show for a few weeks. Where have you been? Tell us all yeah, about I've it. To, I've been to Berlin for for stag do, a midweek stag do, Sunday to Wednesday. A midweek stag do. A midweek stag do. Who has a stag do on a Wednesday? Teachers that are off during half term, oh, right. which oh, yeah. is the main Fair reason enough. we had to go. Um, the best man is a, is so, a teacher. Um, you, you went to a Bundesliga game? We did. We went to, basically, we landed, we dropped our stuff off in the centre of Berlin at some dodgy, sleazy apartments that we were staying in and then zipped straight over to the uh, Olympic Stadium to watch Hertha Berlin lose to Wolfsburg 2-1. And and uh, did you enjoy it? Was it good? Yeah, no, it was fantastic. The beer, beer in the ground beer over there, in the it? stands is a weird experience. It is, isn't it? Particularly when you're so used to sitting and watching Championship football where <laughs> if you even take half a pint near a steward... How did it compare to yeah, yeah. football? Um, How would it compare to it watching was, Leicester? It was a lot... I don't know about Leicester particularly, but certainly probably a lot of lower league English football. The guys that I kind of were there with were a lot of Leicester fans, and the, the only thing they had to say about it was it was just a lot less direct. Like it's a lot of teams playing out from the back. But then we were watching two. Come watch Barry, mate. We do that. We were <laughs> we were watching two top half Bundesliga teams. So the teams are like fifth and seventh. So you are talking pretty high standard yeah, anyway. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, before we get on to anything else, we should apologise because we're not coming to you from the Valley as advertised <laughs> for uh, Charlton versus Barnsley. Slight little oversight on my behalf there. Didn't really check whether the game was still on or not after right, the which FA Cup. Always dangerous at Charlton game. After the it? FA Cup reschedule, uh, the rescheduling of their FA Cup game at Sheffield Wednesday, which is actually being played as we record this. So we can't talk about that. We can't talk about the whole Brighton game. We are hopeful to go back to Charlton for the, the Barnsley game whenever it does get played eventually, which I think is in April. So it's a bit of a while off. Uh, but anyway, we will be reflecting on a very busy weekend uh, in the Football League. It's, um, well, I think we've got 10 weeks to go. So the season's really hotting up now. Uh, in all three divisions race for promotion and to avoid relegation is on uh, we've got the appointment of Michael Jackson at Shrewsbury uh, this week Johnson's Paint Trophy final Lineup is confirmed my trip to Kings Meadow at the weekend talk about that a bit uh, plus my club later and in League 2 a much needed win for Gareth Ainsworth and Wickham Wanderers at the weekend uh, they upset the odds to defeat League 2 leaders Chesterfield 1-0 at Adams Park which is their first home win since the 12th of October last year that's a horror run as well of just one win in 18 before that they've now got a five point cushion above Torquay North Hampton in the relegation zone. Wickham do play Exeter in midweek and then they've got a big AGM on Wednesday where the club's prospective new owners could be revealed. We'll be joined later by Joe Shannon who is match commentator for Wickham's chair boys player and reporter for BBC Three Counties Radio. He'll tell us all about that. But first we are going to kick off in the Championship because back on January the 28th, almost a month ago Charlie Austin scored his 15th goal of the season as QPR beat Bolton 2-1 at Loftus Road to pull three points clear of their challenges. They were second in the 
table. However, Austin hasn't played since. He dislocated his shoulder and QPR haven't won since. Uh, the shortest month of the year must have seemed like the longest for Harry Redknapp. Three straight defeats after a draw against Burnley. The latest are 1-0 loss to Charlton on Saturday. They're down in their lowest position of the season. Fourth, 15 points off the top and seven points off second, playing catch-up to both Burnley and Derby. It's not due to a lack of uh, strength in the squad. 18 internationals in there. So why are they wobbling so badly at a critical time of the season and can they put it right? And does Harry Redknapp still have the backing of the fans? Let's explore all those questions right now uh, with Sean Gallagher, who is a big QPR fan himself and a sports writer who covers the club for West London Sport and the Kilburn Times. Uh, Sean, thank you very much for speaking to us. Uh, let's start with the game at Charlton on Saturday. If we can, obviously a very disappointing way to lose, conceding a goal uh, from a set-piece in injury time. What did you make of the overall performance? Yeah, it's probably one of the worst QPR performances I've seen in a long time. Obviously, I've seen to go on myself and I've been covering them for most of the last year and the atmosphere, the fans, this is really poor kind of atmosphere all around. You saw the Charlton, seeing a relegation battle, kind of how united their fans were with Chris Powell and it's completely different with QPR. When that goal went in the last minute, it was kind of a moment I'm thinking, is Harry uh, Redknapp, is he going to survive? Is it his last moment? Because he was a support defeat, three defeats in a row in the championships, not good for any club, but in QPR kind of money spent and the strength and depth fourth in the league it's not really it's not really um, it's not good enough in all honesty 15 points off Leicester 7, like said, seven points off Burnley and they've had injuries obviously Charlie Charlie Austin and like said, Danny Sims and Matt Phillips but um, in all in all Seriously, it's not, it's not good enough to be honest with you. No, you, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, for Harry Redknapp to come out after the game, and fair enough, Charlie Austin's your top scorer, has had an excellent season for you, and Matt Phillips has shown promise. But for the amount of money that you are, you have paid, you know, predominantly in wages, really, rather than say transfer fees, for the players that you've got on the books there at QPR, you shouldn't be in a position where one and two players are injured and that's it the whole the whole season goes kaput you've you know you've got an astonishing amount of premier league international experience and they don't that doesn't always translate to instant success in the championship as we've seen many times before but there's so much in there in that plus with you know Harry Redknapp who's a, a champions league manager you shouldn't be yeah. fourth and Harry defense thing you went through this summer I thought he brought in some good players you obviously got rid of a lot of the high earners but I think he's kind of put all his eggs in one basket, in all, in all honesty, because he, he brought in who I think is the best winger in the championship and probably the second best striker behind Danny Ings, Charlie Austin. So that's probably about 10 million. And with both of them injured, he's probably thinking to himself, oh, this is, I'm struggling even to reach the playoffs. Because even early in the season, the QPR weren't playing well. I thought it was Charlie Austin and just getting them out of trouble, out of jail in nearly every game. They haven't played well all season, really, but. I think maybe the home game against Middlesbrough has been it's been poor in honesty, and I'm in honesty I'm surprised even in the playoffs. It's because the league's not. I don't think it's a very strong league. But I think as you say about you don't really have to have that in the championship. All these high earners like the likes of Crenshaw and Asu Kotte have been brought in. Initially, I was thinking Crenshaw maybe might be all right, but he's really flat to deceive. I think he's a bit of a showboater. I don't think he brings a lot to the team. Uh, Asu Kotte. A lot of people had a go at the single last season. Oh, he's got a wrong attitude. He's worth every But I kind of think Harry kind of maybe contradicts himself there because I think he's brought in the exact kind of equivalent um, with Asu Okoto. I've seen nothing. I think his attitude on the pitch um, as a fan, as a covering, I think is very poor. And I think recently it dropped on Saturday's reported bust up between him and Grandshaw in training. Wasn't the score. I heard that a few days before. The Charlton game, then he wasn't in, wasn't in even the squad. Kevin Bond said that was a 
a change of tactics, which I kind of, I'm not too sure about because Harry regards Asil <laughs> Kai as, I think, the top four and the top four left backs in the country. I think he's, I think he's remarked the same before. So, yeah, it's not a good situation. And I'm not sure now. Charlie Austin might now be back before the end of the season. I think that's the word. So, you never know. I really don't think to see him getting in the top two. What do you make of these rumours about Michael Laudrup? Um, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Obviously, even though Harry, things aren't going well, I wouldn't really see 15, point, 15 games to go and getting rid of Redknapp at this stage. I don't really see the point that, in all honesty. I think Redknapp's always been a short-term option. Um, I think he's obviously getting a bit of stick from the fans, but um, someone who doesn't really get stick off the fans and kind of... It's totally, it's totally disregarded as Tony Fernandez. I don't think he's really brought a lot to the club in all honesty. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think, you know, Harry Redknapp has today rubbished the claims that, you know, that he's under, his position's under any threat. He, he's rubbished the claims that he's going to retire at the end of the season. I think if you don't get up, I'd be very surprised to see Harry Redknapp in the dugout uh, next August in the Championship of QPR. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, Tony Fernandez, who, who tweeted last night that this is a long term project and that if we don't get up this mm. season it's not the end of the world well it might not be the end of the world but it could be very close to it with the, mm. with the amount of money that you've, that you've spent in the financial fair pay regulations mm, I think the word project fans really aren't going to like seeing that really project you know what I mean it should be it's a football club it's not a project I don't see how that's kind of in any way kind of endearing himself to the fans I don't really see what he's brought in honesty he might be a nice guy well he has, put a, lot, he has put a lot of money in you know, you, you, you certainly can't put the have money a... in. No, he's put yeah, he's put the money in, but I don't. I mean, what, what's come? What's come of it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Wow, well, not what's a lot has it. But I was going to ask about that, Sean, because the the money was kind of the main area that I wanted to talk about. Because mm. I'm a Leicester fan, and we've seen kind of issues with just before financial fair play came in, but Sven Goran Eriksson at Leicester spending huge amounts of money in a similar way to Redknapp, kind of trying to acquire a squad of kind of championship. Mm almost like a Harlem Globetrotters approach where you're just picking players up from left, right and centre, Premier League players on Premier League wages. Yeah. Um, if, you've already said you're going you're gonna to struggle to make the top two this year, um, if QPR don't go up, which is a distinct possibility based on on what we've said so far, how does that affect QPR financially? Because there's, there's going to be a huge loss, isn't there, financially this year? And then with financial fair play kind of crippling clubs potentially that aren't adhering to those rules, is it going to be a real uh, no Premier League clear, money as yeah. well is it going to be Stay a clear down. out yeah. next year are you going to have to get rid of a lot of these players yeah. to start again I think the only maybe saving grace there Mark's got a bit of a list here there's a lot of players out of contract in the summer so I, I can't see the likes of Andy Johnson Jermaine Genus Alejandro Fallon Rob Green Clint Hill Bobby Zamora Richard Dunn those kind of people see Crenshaw Asio Cotter Loans Maiga Doyle so obviously those players will be coming out and as you say if you don't go up obviously all those wages are going to be off but then it could be, but what, what, what kind of squad have you got there and what kind of, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Surely it's the repercussions of the, the money yeah. that you have been paying as well because the, the whole point of the fine is to stop clubs going over that wage bill. But that's kind of a bridge that's already been crossed by QPR and you've kind of had all your eggs in one basket this year to try and get back up. And if you don't get back up, it's going to adversely affect your ability to pay decent championship wages in the future. No, I can't really argue that. As you say, you're a Leicester fan. I think Leicester obviously used to spend a lot of money in the past, but I think the summer they won signing... They got a lot of players off their books, a lot of yeah. wages. Jermaine Beckford was on 20, 20, 30 grand a week, got him off to Bolton, and they kept, kept faith from the manager. And I've got, I've got respect there, and I want to stay. And I don't, I don't really think the way we've gone about it is the greatest. And the signings, obviously, Neil Warner done a great job, but I think still, even from his era, some of the signings there, you've got Sean Mike Phillips sitting on a reported 50 grand a week, and he can't even get in the squad. 
you know what I mean? He's, and he's still actually got a year left on his contract. It's crazy. I'm going to try and bring in some much-needed optimism yeah, to the mean, picture here, though. This is, it sounds like it's the end of the world there, listening to this. We're, we're, we're fourth at the end of the day. Exactly. We were having a little chat before we started this just about whether we actually think they're going to go up or not. And, you know, based on what you've been saying, performances haven't been good. The goals no. have gone out of the team now due to injury. But, you know... And, and Jim said seven points is a hell of a lot to make up, you know, at this stage of the season. But Got a game it, in not hand. necessarily. If you win the game in hand, it goes back to four points, and then all it all it can take is one victory. One week you win, and then and you know Burnley, you know they're playing well, but they could lose. They could, on any given week they could lose, and then bang, you're right, even right down the next again. It's down to one point, and you know it can happen. You you could still finish in the top two. Uh, and, and you've just signed Ravel Morrison, who earlier on in the season was starring for West Ham in the Premier League. People were talking about the World mm. Cup. He missed a few chances on Saturday. It was a terrible mm. pitch. Um, you know, maybe not the, the perfect debut for him, but he's certainly got talent. And if you can get him playing well, particularly at home, where the pitch is not a problem like it was the other week, and you have more of the ball perhaps, and you can try and dominate games more, you know, he could be a player in the absence of Austin and Phillips that could get you up. Uh, yeah, he's a good player. He looked good on Saturday, but I just, I just don't think he, he's there. But who's who's there to put, the, put it in the back of the net. Do you know what I mean? I think if Austin comes back, then there's a chance he could be back in the next month. But I don't really see, I can't see otherwise top two. But I think, obviously, I think being the playoff, you probably think I'm sounding a bit negative here, but you saw Kevin Bonds in the post-match press conference on Saturday. He was kind of, he was kind of himself just saying about Austin. If Austin's not on the team, we're not scoring goals. We don't score a lot of goals. We're struggling, do you know what I mean? And I don't see much confidence coming from the manager and that, that they can even get all my promotion or the players I don't sense that they can believe but, I mean Kevin Doyle's a good striker there are good players in this squad why yeah. Why have QPR ended up in a situation where they're so reliant on one striker <sighs> yeah, I think that's what I read now that, yeah. um, for fourth in the league okay, it's not disastrous but it's not good to say relying on one striker they've obviously lost Matt Phillips I, that was a blow in all honesty but then you've got people like Junior Hoyler and it's just ridiculous. I saw a few years ago Blackburn in the Premier League. I don't know what's, what's happened to him. He was brilliant for Blackburn. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to him because he hasn't done a lot this season. Even Kevin Doyle. Um, yeah, Kevin's a grafter. He's, yeah, I quite like Kevin Doyle, but he's he's, he's not Charlie Austin. It's part of it. Sean, the way that Harry Redknapp set up his team at the beginning of the season in a kind of very distinctive manner with Charlie Austin playing through the middle on his own and then being supported by the likes of Matt Phillips and Junior Hoyle or kind of wingers of that ilk, it kind of leaves a huge hole when you've got players like Zamora or Johnson coming back from long-term injuries then yeah. trying to play that lone striker role like on their own, especially if you've got a winger that's been out uh, injured as well. You've got kind of yeah. quite a disjointed team. There's no front-man partnership there for the two to work off, is there? No, that's exactly, that's exactly what you say. Yeah, he kind of went with one up front, and obviously with Johnson Zamora. Zamora's, I think, a bit of a scapegoat in all honesty. He's had a few really bad injury problems. He's come back, and I think I think, I think think he's done okay, but he's a bit of a scapegoat for the fans. Johnson, as you say, I think if those two would have stayed fit last season for the whole duration of the season, I still think QPR could have stayed up, I mean, along with Remy. And um, some may disagree with that, but obviously that's my opinion, but I, I think those two are still good players. I mean, they're quite injury prone, but as you say, I think with one up front, Austin, and just defensively, obviously, I think he's still got the best defensive record. Defensively, he's still very good. Dunn's been excellent. He's a good player. Clint Hill's been brilliant over the last few seasons. Danny Simpson and Green's, Green, I can't say Green's not done, but he's made a few mistakes. But I think Redknapp was just, as you say, putting all his um, eggs in one basket. Strong defence. Had Charlie Austin score the goals. And then the, got 
Matt Phillips on the wing and you've got Joey Barn who's been quite good in midfield to be fair You've listed a ridiculous number of players it's just, crazy, just in this 10 minute call and yeah. you're thinking how mm. on earth has this squad not gone up and of course yeah. you've got Remy who's at Newcastle and you've got Tarat yeah, who's at AC the Milan list of players and players out, there, out on loan is it, yeah. astonishing really They've just said Tarant who's scoring goals in the Champions League you know for AC <laughs> Milan now you've got uh, Steven Mbia Esteban Granera both playing in, in La Liga in Spain Park G Sung's gone back to Holland Loic Remy's scoring goals for Newcastle in the Premier League Julio yeah. Cesar's only just left he's probably yeah. still probably going to be New- Brazil's uh, number yeah, one keeper he will in, be, I in think. the World Cup you've got Samba Diakite running around like a headless chicken at Watford <laughs> um, you know there's a lot of players there it's, it's, it it's astonishing really and all the, add that to all the players that it's left in the summer fi- it's a quality five-a-side team if you put that just, together isn't you know, it you know, Harry, Harry Redden that may, may well be a man who, uh, well, although he's been at pains to, to dispel these claims in the past, mm. likes to wheel and deal. Uh, but even by his standards, there's been a hell of a turnover both in and out. And that is difficult for any manager and coaching team to, to get hit, you know, hit the ground running. Mm, yeah, fair, as I said to him, I give him some credit. He did go, I think he did bring in some good players this summer, like, if you say, the right sort. Richard Dunn's the right sort, isn't he? And the likes of uh, Danny Simpson is a good play. He gives it his all. I know he's got maybe up. Off the pitch, there's a few things, but on the pitch, he's been excellent. You got know what Carl mean? Henry as well. Yeah, Carl, yeah, central Carl, midfield. Carl I mean, <laughs> I've got a question. He's, he's like the quintessential championship battle. Yeah, Henry. I've got a question from a fan's perspective as a QPR fan. I mean, yeah. given this list of resources which you've just said, and I know some of these players are, you know, Zamora and Johnson have been out for a while. They're maybe going yeah. towards the end of their career, but. You're in a division presumably below where you think you should be, and you're you've got to the top of the league through a good home form, one yeah. nil wins here and there. Yeah. You're not yeah. do, if you are going to go up, you're not doing this in any kind of style, are you? No, no, not at all. No, not at all. And um, Harry Redknapp is a manager who has been in charge of a club who's been in the Champions League recently yeah. with Spurs in the last few years. I mean, QPR should be demanding better of, of, of this squad. Yeah, they should be, shouldn't they? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, in all honesty, I think uh, it's all gone wrong as well since uh, Steve McLaren went as well. He's done a lot of work with the... Yeah. That's a good point, the, actually, yeah. because he had to the training ground in the summer. And Harry he could team. end up pipping yeah. QPR yeah. for promotion, though. Yeah. No? I was talking, I can see Darby getting second. I think Steve McLaren's brilliant. Coach brilliant. I think he's brilliant all round. He's obviously done most of the work on the training around the summer because Harry had a knee operation, and I think a lot of the players, I think Barton, Shiard has tweeted, oh, a massive loss to the club, and I think it is. I just don't think they've really recovered. I think having someone like that around, is, is, obviously, gets a bit of grief for his England spell. But I think Steve McCarran's top-class coach, and look, look how well he's done at Derby. You know what I mean? One bit yeah. of good news that QPR did have um, this season is the, the announcement of plans for for a new forty thousand seat stadium um, mm. at Old Oak Common. Um, yep. But given what we've said about the finances, potentially, you know, yeah. how bad they could be if, if promotion wasn't to be secured in the near future, would that project be under any sort of jeopardy, do you think? Well, if QPR were going to be in the championship, I mean, how many fans do, how mm. many fans do they get? I mean, now we get 15,000, 16,000, I 40,000 is a bit ambitious to say the least, I think. Obviously, QPR's it's a tight-knit club, it's a family club, it's not, it's not a big club, it's a small club. I think everyone knows that, and I just think... 40,000 was a bit over ambitious. Obviously, step forward. I think they definitely need a new training ground, which obviously these plans for that as well. But yeah, you've got to be in the Premier League, really. Can I say, after uh, all this sort of uh, 20 minutes of doom and gloom, yeah. they're gonna, probably going to go on about 10 games, 10 straight wins, and uh, <laughs> go, up, go up by the end of April, aren't they? Thanks very much for coming on, uh, Sean. We appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. No problem. That is uh, Sean Gallagher. He was a freelance sports writer covering QPR for West London Sport and the Kilburn Times. And next, we're going to swap West London for Wickham as we're off to Adams Park to talk about a crucial win on Saturday for the Chairboys.
So, Wickham Wanderers won, Chesterfield nil, a real coupon buster if ever there was one at the weekend. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it was Wickham's first home win since last October and only their second victory in their last 19 league games. A horror run, uh, which has ended with Gareth Ainsworth's side hovering above the League 2 relegation zone. They even went over eight and a quarter hours without a goal at home at the start of the year. But now finally, thanks to a Max Kretschmar penalty, they have breathing space above the bottom two with a five-point cushion opened up above Torquay and Northampton and it's not just on the field where the headlines are being made either on Wednesday this week Wickham hold their AGM where members of their current owners the Wickham Supporters Trust will find out more about an offer for the club from an unnamed company described to the fans as UK based football people so plenty going on and to fill us in on it all let's speak to Joe Shannon who is match commentator for Wickham's Chairboys player and a reporter for BBC Three Counties Radio he was there describing the action at Adams Park on Saturday Uh, Joe thank you very much for coming on the show let's start on the field if we can we all saw how much that victory meant to Gareth Ainsworth at the final whistle on Saturday you said it had been a long time coming how impressed were you by the level of performance especially considering this run they've been on I thought it was a tremendous performance, Mark, actually. Um, I, thought the, I thought it was a performance which gave me more than enough confidence, um, both from a fan's perspective and a reporter's perspective. But for me, we can, can do more than enough to survive in the league this season. Um, I think against the league leaders, when you consider what the, the form that Chesterfield have been, the fact that, of course, that they're Johnson's paint trophy finalists as well, have one of the best squads in the division. I mean, you look at the fact that they could take off a striker like Owen Doyle and bring someone like Mark Richards on later in the game I thought it was a tremendous performance I really really did and you could see the reaction of the manager at the end and of course of the fans at the end and this was a big win for Wickham Wanderers. Given all of that a tremendous performance against the league leaders why on earth has Wickham seasons been so bad up to this point? Um, I think the managers struggled at times with tactical naivety, to be honest with you. Um, I think the key difference in the last couple of games where we've seen improved performance, of course, against Fleetwood Town on the 11th of February, that was a one-all draw, and obviously Chesterfield last Saturday. I think the key has been what the manager's done with the formation. Um, he's brought another player into the midfield, um, and it's a sort of 4-2-3-1 formation. And I think that's allowed the players to, A, press the ball more, more intelligently so they're no longer running about in a kind of harem, scarem kind of fashion, but they're doing it with intelligence. Um, and that, therefore, I think has also allowed them to have more time on the ball. They've played the ball along the ground a lot more than they have been doing in recent weeks. So I think a large part of it, actually, um, has been down to a manager who, as we know, is, is learning and improving all the time. It's his first job in management, his first experience of management. Um, and I think he's picking things up slowly but surely, to be honest. Has he come under any pressure during this period, Joe? Yes, he has. I think so. Certainly from fans, particularly on social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, on the odd forum. Um, there have been times where you can question his tactics over the course of this pretty horrendous run that Wickham have been on over the last four months or so. You can question his substitutions, perhaps team selection at times. Um, I think there's been you know, a question over whether the manager has lost control um, in certain periods of this run. And certainly after a couple of particular defeats, you look at the 1-0 home defeat, of course, to fellow strugglers Portsmouth a few weeks ago, the 1-0 defeat away at Berry. Uh, that was almost the nadir as far as Gareth Ainsworth um, was concerned. But I do think in the last couple of games, he's won the confidence back of a lot of fans. You know, he was the first to say at the end of the game that we are far from out of the woods yet as far as League Two survival is concerned. But nonetheless, I think they've 
leapt forward a great deal in the last couple of home matches. Mark mentioned in the build-up there the uh, the amount of time that Wickham went without scoring a home goal just at the turn of the year. I think it was eight and a quarter hours. Has he been able to address that, Gareth Ainsworth? Is there going to be any you know potential more signings to come in? Because it was a great win against Chesterfield at the weekend, but you're still very much down there with the, the likes of Northampton and Torquay, and you are still kind of right in the middle of a relegation battle. Oh yes, absolutely. No question that the goal is to survive by the end of this season. Um, as far as the lack of goal scoring is concerned, I think a key issue for Wickham Wanderers has been a lack of creativity in the central midfield area um, in particular. It's usually Josh Scowen and Stuart Lewis who have played in the middle for the Blues and of course as tigerish as they are and as um, as much effort as they put in, they're not the best in terms of creativity. They're not the best going forward. And I think the formation change that I mentioned earlier on has given Wickham a little bit more goal-scoring threat going forward. Um, you speak about new signings as well. Obviously, Anthony Jeffrey has come in on a free transfer from Arsenal. Uh, the newly crowned Gibraltar international, Reese Dice, has arrived on loan from Forest Green. Hopefully, they'll give Wickham some impetus going forward. But unless a takeover is completed and obviously that is far from certain yet um, there will be no signings uh, no more signings sorry coming in as far as Wickham are concerned the club simply don't have the money I'm afraid Before we get into the nitty gritty of, of the takeover and what it means for the club just to return to the question about, about the pressure that Ainsworth may, may have been under do you think perhaps if there hadn't have been this takeover situation uh, in the background uh, at Wickham could that perhaps I mean has that in effect saved Gareth Ainsworth's job um, I think it's difficult to say, to be honest with you. I think he's quite relieved that certainly the speculation over John Gorman has, has come to an end, obviously with the club releasing a statement last Friday saying that there would be no role for John Gorman um, at the club in terms of returning to Wickham Wanderers. Um, but I think, to be honest with you, he's relieved that last week had come to an end and that he could get back and focus on the football. Um, whether the distractions off the pitch have helped him in any way, shape or form, um, I'm not sure. I think the main thing that he's been focusing on, and he mentioned this, of course, um, in his interview with BBC Three Counties Radio last Saturday is the work that himself and the staff have been doing on the training ground with the new formation that he's put in in the last few games and um, to the extra finishing practice that the midfielders and strikers have been undertaking in recent weeks. So tell us about this takeover then, Joe. I know that uh, Gareth Ainsworth said on Saturday after the game that there'd been a few uh, off-the-field issues in the previous week that he'd had to deal with and that was obviously uh, the rumours about this takeover. The AGM is on Wednesday. Uh, how important is it that this uh, unnamed party is uh, revealed to be sort of someone who's based in the UK and all the fans can trust. Oh, absolutely. 100% important. I think the fans are quite rightly sceptical after the experiences of recent years under Steve Hayes, where um, many consider financial mismanagement to have been the norm um, during that particular tenure. I think the fans are very receptive of the way the Trust has run the club in the last couple of years, taking charge, of course, in June 2012 and getting the club on a firm and stable financial footing. So I think everybody's concerned that if there is a return to private ownership and it does take place... Um, that we don't revert back to our old ways. Um, at the moment, of course, and you know, I'm sure you guys know all about this, um, 75% of trust legacy member approval um, is required in order for this potential deal to go through. Um, and there are just over 500 trust legacy members. So 75%, given the circumstances that Wickham have been through in recent years with private ownership, does seem like a relatively high figure. However, you know, we'll have to wait until we know the identity of these owners um, next Wednesday 
of course, at the Trust AGM. It all hangs on that. It all hinges on that. And we know that they have been involved with Wickhamondra's football club before. And we do believe, though, that they've been involved with British football in some capacity, perhaps had um, one or two bids for certain clubs turned down in the past. Um, and it'll be very, very interesting to find out their identities and see what they may, if anything, have planned for the football club. Uh, Joe, speaking to you now as a fan rather than as a reporter, does the potential and the likely reversion back to being privately owned as opposed to being owned by the supporters, does it concern you at all? It concerns me in the sense that um, we've had bad experiences with private ownership before. Um, I think a lot of Wickham Wanderers fans, to be honest with you, don't realise just how close the club came to administration in the summer of 2012. The trust on taking over themselves didn't realise quite how bad the financial situation was. Um, I think what's important from a Wickham Wanderers perspective, though, um, is to realise that this decision by the trust to sell and, and the new bid that's come in has probably been taken because of the way the club has been struggling, A, in terms of on-the-field position this season. I mean, obviously, 22nd in the Football League in a relegation battle. The worst position, of course, we've ever been in in the Football League in our history. Um, and also attendances. You know, we had the record low attendance um, against Fleetwood a couple of weeks ago. I think just over 2,100 people, which is our worst ever home attendance in the Football League. And at the moment, under trust ownership, I'm afraid they show no signs um, of improving. So, from a fan's perspective, yes, of course, there are concerns. But if these potential new owners turn out to be fairly uh, stable looking owners, people who are going to respect the traditions of the club but provide the necessary capital, then potentially. I'm all for it. So has, has the uh, drop in attendances been a, as a result of the on-field performance this season or has that been a gradual thing over the last few years that the, uh, the numbers have dropped at home? Um, it's been fairly gradual. Um, I think when you experience as many relegations as we have in the last couple of years, um, relegation, of course, in 2010 under uh, Peter Taylor. You're a very yo-yo club, aren't you, Wickham? You, you, yes. do, you do tend yeah. either to go up or to go down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was relegation from League One in 2010, promotion back up the following year, relegation the following year, and then a real struggle for much of last season. So with that track record, you'd expect attendances to be generally on the decline. But I think they have specifically dropped to record low levels this season because, uh, to be quite honest with you, the football's been pretty poor at times. Um, we haven't played well at home at all. As you know, uh, last Saturday was our first home win since October 2013. So you'd expect crowds to be down um, with that sort of record. One of the uh, bits of bad news to come out of the uh, the game on Saturday, Joe, was the uh, the injury to Gary Doherty. Um, how long is he going to be out for and how much of a loss will he be? Because I'm looking at the, uh, the schedule in March. Obviously, Wickham are not alone in this because a lot of Football League teams have been... Uh, well, they've not been playing much, basically, because of the weather. But in March, Wickham are playing eight times in a month. So how important is it that he's not out for too long? Um, I think it's, you know, the, the thing with Gary Doherty is he's been without question one of our most consistent players this season. Um, I think particularly in a relegation battle, you can't doubt the experience of a player like him and the positive effect it can have on the team. And I hope, you know, from obviously a fan's perspective more than anything, that it's not the last time that we see Gary Doherty in a Wickham Wanderers shirt. I mean, he went down and from the moment you saw it, you know, you know when a player like Gary Doherty goes down like that, um, there's a problem. I think the way he was clutching his arm as well and holding it very gingerly um, and had to be obviously helped out of the field and we know the severity of the injury now. Um, it's a great cause for concern for Wanderers fans. 
But nonetheless, um, you know, if we were to, you know, have an injury in any particular position, it's probably best that it has happened at centre-half because Anthony Stewart, the young centre-half who came on for Gary Doxton, has been linked with a move to a higher level, um, is an absolutely outstanding prospect. Um, guys, you know, I really think he could play at championship level at the very least, potentially one day. So to have a player like Stewart come in and play alongside Leon Johnson at the back, um, we do have very, very decent cover given that Gary Doxy's just been injured. Just a question, uh, as you mentioned it there, about Wickham's sort of youth, uh, well, not academy, because obviously you don't have one anymore following the EPPP plan. You were one of the clubs that, that ceased to, to run it, weren't you, obviously? But you have mm-hmm. produced players in the past, the most notable recently being Jordan Ibe, who's now uh, up at Liverpool. How has that affected Wickham as a club, really, since the academy shut down? Uh, well, I think it's been obviously devastating for everybody concerned, um, but I think it's important to stress that unfortunately the financial restrictions of the club meant that the trust had no viable option other than to close it. Um, it's a desperate shame, of course, but you know, tough decisions had to be made once the trust took over. Um, you know, we believe that the financial situation that they found and they inherited was even worse than they'd expected. So, you know, sometimes you've got to take these difficult decisions for the club. And unfortunately, it was something that they had to do. No question that the club had produced an outstanding range of young prospects. I mean, Courtney Howes, of course, and the centre half who moved to Wolves at the very end of the January transfer window was probably the latest of those prospect. I mean, I think Howells will play Premier League football one day. Um, I think there's no question about that. You look at the confidence, the composure that he's got for such a young man. I've got no question that if he improves kind of perhaps his, his physique and bulks himself up a bit more, which may well come with age more than anything, and he will play in the Premier League one day. So it's very bittersweet for Wickham fans, I think, is the answer. Um, desperately disappointing, of course, to lose the youth system but from a financial perspective it was probably necessary and um, one day you know it will be back we hope one day we'll be able to keep producing these young players that we have a wonderful track record of of, of doing um you know i've had a couple of fans speak to me and say you're the crew of the south so um if that can continue then then all then all fantastic but i think the crucial thing to say is the trust did not want to close the system down but unfortunately they had to I'm just looking at the the fixture list for the end of the season and Mark's already spoken a little bit how congested it is but if we're looking on the bright side for for Wickham Wanderers here you've got three of your last four games are against kind of relegation rivals or certainly rivals that are down there at the moment so you've got Northampton uh, Bristol Rovers and Torquay which are teams in the corresponding fixtures that you've beaten in all three so that's got to be a crumb of comfort hasn't it for uh, Wickham Wanderers fans going into the last few weeks if it comes down to that yeah, it's a come of comfort, I suppose, that there obviously are teams around us and that, you know, to that extent, it could well be in our own hands. I'd obviously much rather be safe and away by then. Uh, you know, you, you never know how these fixtures towards the end of the season um, are going to turn out. I mean, my hope from here, obviously, is having got such a fantastic win against Chesterfield at the weekend and obviously the nature of the performance as well, really tremendous battling display from the Wanderers, um, is that they can kick on and go on a fantastic run from here. Um, and I think the perfect chance, Exeter City, um, away um, on Tuesday night extra of course with one of the worst home records in the division Blues with a decent array away record so far this season not spectacular but you know we've already beaten Chess, uh, sorry Exeter away this season the Johnson's Paint Trophy so I feel like you know if we can kick on get another three points on Tuesday then maybe we'll put ourselves in a position where those last three fixtures 
don't matter at all because we've already um, gained enough points to stay up. It's going down to the wire. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> to the last the last kick at Torquay. Um, Joe, thanks very much for coming on. We appreciate that. Nice to talk to you. Cheers, guys. That is no uh, Joe worries. Shannon, who is uh, a match commentator for Wickham's Chairboys player and reporter for BBC Three Counties Radio. Next then, it's time for my club. It is the bit of the show where we give Football League fans 125 seconds to celebrate their side. All to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League and today it's the turn of AFC Bournemouth. This is We Are Going Up. My club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm Michael Dunn and my club is Bournemouth. So Michael, do you remember your first ever visit to Dean Court? Yes, I do. It was in the Easter of 1982, a long time ago now. Uh, my dad took me along after I pestered him and <laughs> we won 4-0 against Torquay. And yeah, it was pretty much love at first sight for me. I think the 4-0 win was probably what did it. Uh, if we'd have lost 4-0, I might have ended up supporting Man United. But as it was, uh, I wanted to go back for more. Ten years ago to the day that we record this, James Hayter scored a hatchet for Bournemouth in 140 seconds, just just longer than it's taking the time it's taken to do this feature. <laughs> Were you there? I wasn't there, no. I was living in London at the time and I didn't come down for that one. Uh, I was checking the score on what's well, probably tally text in those days. The pages and, wouldn't have turned yeah. around quick enough, would they? <laughs> By the no. time you've done one rotation, you'd have scored the third one, wouldn't it? All the goals were scored right at the end of the game. He came on late in the game. He came on for Steve Fletcher, who you may have heard of. And... Um, yeah, all the goals were scored between the 80th and 90th minute, although it was much faster than that, as you know. And it was something that we suddenly hit the headlines. Amazing. You know, pretty much globally for a, a very short amount of time. It made a, a nice change from us having uh, any kind of coverage, mainly due to our problems off the field. And you've, you've scarcely bothered the global story. headlines since. <laughs> And Michael, tell us a bit about the podcast that you do, the All Departments Bournemouth podcast. What sort of made you start it and, and how does it how does it run? What do you have on there? Yeah, I had the idea about 18 months ago, pretty much as soon as I had the idea, the club started their own one. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of shelved it for a little while, uh, but that didn't last that long. And that was pretty good, but it didn't last that long. So I resurrected it when Eddie Howe, our manager, returned. It kind of inspired me to have another go. And it's just pretty much a fan's podcast. I do something after every match and then I quite often about once a month do an extended interview with somebody well-known around the club. So, yeah, it's gone really well and the response has been good. Brilliant. Michael, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. Thank you. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. My club then will be back next week. And if you'd like to come on and tell us about your club, by the way, we've still got 41 clubs to get through. <laughs> so, uh, it's going to be a busy not, last few weeks for you, mate. Not sure we're going to manage that. So uh, we do need fans. So if you're a fan of a club that hasn't been on so far, please do get in touch. We are going up.co.uk slash contact or you can tweet at Wagyu Podcast. How many shows you got left this season? I think I worked it out. It's about 14, I think, or 13. So, yeah. Oh, so three a week. <laughs> not sure we're going to get through them all. And Anyway, uh, let's kick off our weekend review at the top of the championship. Uh, Leicester are 13 games unbeaten, 10 wins in that period. They beat Ipswich 3-0 on Saturday. Jamie Vardy, David Nugent and Chris Wood. Jim, you were there. Have you booked the open-top bus parade just yet? Not quite yet. I think there's one on reserve. But yeah, it was was another fantastic performance. Ipswich, to be honest, didn't offer quite as much as I thought they would, given their relative league position. I thought they'd be a bit better. But I think without David McGoldrick, who scored a lot of their goals this year, they were a bit toothless. And yeah, we played particularly well. The game was kind of dead at half-time. The second 45 minutes were a bit pedestrian. But it's another 
solid win. Can't complain. So Good point at Forest as well in the midweek yeah, before that. Yeah, it's a couple of battling results, Watford and, and Forest, since I've last been on. So um, it's nice to get back to winning ways. And just I think as that, that unbeaten momentum is what's going to take us now. We don't worry about winning every game as long as we don't lose games. I think that's the most important well, thing. Well, the gap is so big. Uh, now, we've obviously yeah. talked about uh, QPR. Uh, Burnley have pulled clear then of QPR following that 3-1 win against Nottingham Forest on Saturday. Absolutely stunning first half. 20 home games unbeaten, which is quite a record. It's almost an entire season, really. Yeah. Uh, and Forest have lost, um, well, their first their first game in the league for uh, 14. And uh, they obviously had two big games against teams above them there, Leicester and Burnley. And they've come away with one point from six. Well, Burnley are an interesting comparison with QPR, aren't they? Almost the exact opposite, really. Uh, a lot smaller squad, a lot more tight-knit, you know, no expectations on them. Uh, no expectations of the manager really before the start of this season and they've they've completely surpassed all expectations um you know and they've got two strikers absolutely on fire in you know Ings has got all the headlines but Vokes isn't far behind him in the goal tally at all you know um and a lot of unsung heroes in that squad as opposed to the big names of QPR and it's serving Burnley better at the moment uh, Forest. Forest a big you know a big mm. week for them and they, they have come up short yeah it looks like uh, the kind of week that means they've got a few injuries I think as well haven't they yeah just... Andy Reid's a big one for them he's going to be out for a little while Billy now. Davis picked up his standard FA uh, <laughs> charge by the way for uh, I think he had yeah. a go at the, the ref during the yeah, Leicester he, game didn't he half time Derby they're kind of uh, sneaked in there they're in third now 1-0 win against Bournemouth Patrick Bamford scored that brilliant goal at Hillsborough didn't he midweek oh, last week beauty. against Sheffield Wednesday for a 1-0 win and then another 1-0 win against Bournemouth with a beauty from Chris Martin from a free kick they've won uh, the last three games 1-0 it's a good trait to be getting into at this time yeah, of the year Chris Martin I mean we've talked about him earlier in the season a bit of having you know how much he's improved but I didn't see that coming from him. No. Absolute beauty of a free kick into Fantastic, the top corner. Fantastic, wasn't it? It was a little bit of a controversial decision as well, wasn't it? The uh, players were going mental on the Bournemouth side and Eddie Howe was saying it from where he saw it, the, uh, it was a clean but, I mean, tackle, for all the, the praise we've given Burnley, I mean, Derby are only two points behind them. Yeah. So, and they play each other next and week. they play each other on yeah. Saturday. So, And that's going to be a massive game in the, the context of the, the race for a it's promotion a real, Given, to given how league. much bloody Leeds have been on TV they're on TV again oh, next week and again get that on t- Burnley v Derby was so much better Sky have started messing with our games watching as well Leeds I'm, at Saturday lunchtime what is, what is the deal with that what have Sky got not every week I know it's, every... it's just the money isn't it they just, they can just do what yeah. they want willy nilly now playoffs uh, oh hello Wigan and uh, Blackburn are closing in Wigan in particular and they've had a really bad blow because Ben Watson broke his leg against again. Barnsley double leg again yeah, yeah. Uh, we wish him all the best obviously scored that brilliant goal at Cardiff the week before they won uh, 2-1 at Brighton a uh, big game on Saturday James McArthur and Chris McCann with a goal five wins in the last six games and they are on the cusp of uh, the playoffs now they're only a point behind Reading and they've got a game in hand as well and Reading lost 1-0 home to Blackburn Blackburn only four points back it's going to be quite interesting mm. to see who manages to squeeze in there into that I mean, we presume it's going to be the last playoff spot there don't we into sixth place mm. yeah we never know what was I mean, that look, yeah look, look, for, look, Forest They've had a bad, you know, they've had a bad few results and a couple more bad results, yeah. and that 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 six point gap all of a sudden becomes three, two or three, and just like we're saying with QPR, we've watched so so how many years have we watched you know Championship Football League seasons and time after time after time us and the rest of the country say we make oh, the bold, top we make bold predictions on, yeah. on this that and the other and it turns <laughs> I was I was arguing with a Millwall fan the other day he said ah oh, he was trying to say that they're going to be okay uh, because Barnsley and Yeovil uh, are down already. Well, yeah, look, we'll what, happened, look what happened at the yeah. weekend. Exactly. What all it takes, you know, is one set of results, one win and one loss on the corresponding weekend, and that's it. The whole picture changes. The mood changes at a club. So, well, foolish to write any of those clubs in or out yet. I mean, look at that bottom three. Then, uh, Yeovil, 
1-0 win against Doncaster Barnsley 1-0 win against Millwall Charlton 1-0 win against QPR big win for Chris Powell that Massive. and they've still got uh, three games in hand on the teams above them so a very bad weekend I mean Bolton won as well against Watford today yeah. Paul Clear a very bad weekend for Ian Holloway and Millwall who are looking in um, well in, in real danger there yeah, Jim just, the... uh, just above the relegation zone they certainly are and I think Ian Holloway said as much as herself in his post-match interview he said it was a, an opportunity to pull away and to, to put a little bit of daylight between them and the the, the chasing packs it were below them but and the, and they faltered it could be uh, well, the, that could be I a think huge one of the problems I've got is Holloway's very much gone for his typical style of you know very much focusing on the attack and trying to outscore teams and, and, and play attractive exciting attacking football they're playing a four strikers at the moment on a regular basis and the defence has been the problem for Millwall all season they were Sounds getting like they were getting battered yeah. you know routinely under low mass and what they probably needed was someone to come in who could spend a little bit more time on on getting that defensive situation sorted out or getting getting the balance right really obviously you've got to have the balance of both and clearly that balance has not been yet found by by Holloway and they are in big trouble Blackpool failed to win for the 15th game in a row uh, losing 2-1 at home to Birmingham they've taken four points from the last 45 pathetic another red card to uh, Jack Robinson sent off that's just the ten, third of the season just the third. 10 reds for them and three for him this season which is uh, I imagine he's it? getting a phone call from the FA at some point soon <laughs> Again, more than a phone unknown call. number not answering yeah. that um, Middlesbrough and Leeds drew 0-0 Middlesbrough haven't scored now for um, 10 hours and 15 minutes uh, six games very much an unwanted club record those two are kind of limping to a close again with another disappointing season aren't they and uh, Birmingham this week a couple of interesting changes Terry McDermott and Derek Fazakali have both left the club they've been loyal lieutenants to Lee Clark wherever he's been and he's brought in Steve Watson not really been explained that, so maybe that's one to watch in the, the next club, couple of weeks. The club have said it's for, for legal reasons, uh, and Lee Clark's gone on record as saying they have definitely not been sacked. Mm. So it is strange, and there are certainly questions there that need to be answered. You know, because like you say, they, those guys have been with him for for many years, yeah. and we'll, we'll you know we'll see whether that has any effect on the pitch. They um you know they've been doing okay recently. Top of uh, League One, then hello, it's all changed. Leighton Orient back top two wins this week. Two 0 win against Stevenage in midweek. Two 0 win against Swindon on Saturday. Wolves second. And where's Brentford gone? Brentford were top. We were singing their praises last week. Yeah. Brentford nil, Wolves three on Saturday. Brentford slip out of the top two. It's their first defeat uh, in 20 games. It is, you know, it's a terrible game to lose, isn't it? You know, you've, you've massive, won all those games massive. under Mark Warburton since he took over from Rosler. And, you know, you'd probably go back and think, well, I would have wish we would have lost to a, you know, a mid-table side earlier on because it hurts them doubly so because it's against Wolves and, and it's not just not just the points. It's a real confidence booster for Wolves and, and it's a, and now a psychological challenge for the Brentford players to rebound. It's a hammer blow for Brentford as well because it was their first five-figure attendance of the season and to get beat in such a manner mm. that... It's just really going to hit like the supporters as well. If you a casual fan going along to a game, you know, oh, Brentford have got top of the table clash against Wolves, and you get beat three 0 that could really like impact on their potential yeah. uh, attendances going forward. But they're still they're still there or thereabouts, aren't they? They're only a well, point behind. I remember, bang in it, bang in it. I remember when um, Wolves lost one 0 at Gillingham a few weeks ago, and I was sort of very much pushing the kind of all got us all falling apart. It was a Friday night game, wasn't um, it? and you were like, "No, stay calm. They've just won six in a row." So it, it turns out you were spot so, on. Listen to DC. Yeah, and Michael Jacobs four goals in his last Ooh, two games. Beauty. I'm not. Going going to do the, the crack again <laughs> but the, the last goal was it was beauty, brilliant wasn't, wasn't it, it? Yeah. yeah absolutely superb strike in the good, playoffs good player he is in the playoffs Brentford uh, Preston who won again 
uh, 2-1 at Colchester. They're only... Oh, no, they're, they're a bit back, aren't they? Six points back. Rotherham won again. Another, they love a last-minute winner, do Rotherham. Uh, winning 2-1 at Carlisle. And Peterborough uh, in sixth place. They won away from home at the weekend as well. 1-0. And they are... Who did they win at? I'm just trying to... Oh, Stevenage, wasn't it? And they are, are in the Johnston Paint Trophy final. Yeah. Did you see the last penalty by the Swindon player? No. Oh, my days. Absolute myriad. Um, it was bad. Pretty much about the same point. Uh, last week we were saying it was going to be Swindon in the final, uh, but I did enjoy your little gag on uh, John Verrill today on Twitter. Mm. I did spot that. <laughs> Good. Do you want to, do you want to recap well, he, it? He tweeted this morning, uh, got the tickets booked for Wembley. Uh, cannot wait. So I asked him whether, whether, which one he was going to, Lithuania or Zamorino. <laughs> <laughs> any, um, any news on Ronnie Moore? Uh, I don't think so. Not no. I'm aware of. He's still suspended. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael Jackson has taken over to the end oh of the God. season. Why? I mean, it's just I, I'm sick of him already. Like, not him. That's, that's, that's harsh. <laughs> What's he done? <laughs> he's not done anything. He's not. He's not Michael Jackson's fault that he shares a name with one of the most re- iconic celebrities of the 20th century. The it's, football league show. He, he wants, yeah. wants to be started. Oh, because already the, because of the punning. Potential. Every single match yeah. report that will ever be written or recorded again <laughs> while he's a manager is yeah. going to include one of those puns. We are never allowed to do one ever. Okay. okay. All right. So next time we do Shrewsbury, make your your intro is is, <laughs> is pun clear. Spotless. I'm not sure I can fight that. It's too much. <laughs> too tempting. Uh, they were two 0 down at Notts County though, and they came back to win three two. And the second goal by John Taylor was an absolute beauty as well. Uh, so uh, and Notts County lost five of their last six. Uh, back second bottom of the table so it's just, they, we're going around in circles with these clubs they go on great winning runs and, and it's a bit like Newcastle in the Premier League they'll win three or four and they'll lose and three or four four in a row yeah um, how do you look at the uh, how do you view the relegation situation down there at the bottom now well I think that's a pretty good summation of it Jim <laughs> <laughs> yeah move on just like what I was saying before like, well, you know three four weeks back you say oh not kind of they picked up under under Sean Derry, you know, they, you know, they look, they look like they're going to pull clear, but look, they're not, you know, and they could easily go on these runs. It gives hope to the teams that are still in there and and should worry Sheffield United, well, who, who, have, who have seemingly pulled clear. Well, you're yeah, not, you're you not safe yet. Well, I was going to say Sheffield United have had a great week, haven't they? Because they won, that's, uh, obviously that's they won it now. They won against yeah. Forest, and they won twice since then. Uh, won away at Gillingham, and then won three 0 against Bristol City on Saturday. Okay, let's move down uh, into League Two. So Chesterfield. Uh, as we've mentioned, lost 1-0 at Wickham. Paul Cook had a bit of a paddy, didn't he, on the touchline, got sent off. Uh, Scumfort 5. Paddy, good word. Scumfort 5. Well, a paddy scored for Scumfort, Paddy Madden. Scumfort 5, Portsmouth 1. And what's all this about the uh, the Scumfort keeper having a selfie taken Ridiculous. with some yeah, fans during, during the game? Today. Not be banned. Should is be it? banned for that. So, yeah. I mean, presumably the fans behind the goal have just come up to him when right. the ball's at the other end for a throw in yeah. or something. And do you want a picture, mate? And just... A little bit disrespectful. Yeah, not a very professional attitude, is it? I don't care how many goals you are. It would be better if it was his phone. (laughs) Sneaking it onto the pitch. I'm wondering when that's going to happen. I'm surprised no one... I'm surprised a substitute hasn't done a selfie yet and posted it on Instagram mid-match. Someone will pay them a ridiculous amount of money to... Yeah, only a matter of time. Uh, Rochdale won at Exeter, so they've pulled clear in uh, third and the top three have all got a game in hand. So... Uh, they're kind of a little bit of distance. Well, it's only two points, I suppose. Oxford in fourth, uh, Fleetwood, and then Burton and Southend still in the playoffs. Burton, can we just on, on Burton? While Jim's here, Hello. we might be able to provide some light on this. You know, we had the guy tweeted in and said, "My bet that I've got on Burton in the handicap market may not all be all it that I thought it was." Yeah. So what what is the deal with handicap betting? Okay, so because I thought basically I just had to finish, you know, within no, seventeen I know points exactly, of the yeah, top team. I know exactly what you think. So basically, I was rubbing my hands together. Yeah, <laughs> the reason these bets are so attractive is because they basically make every team a twenty-two to one shot at the beginning of the season, and by doing that, they take the the favourites. So if you're taking a, a Premier League equivalent, so it'd be Chelsea or Manchester City, and they'd be on zero. So you expect them to win the league. 
you can bet yeah. that. But it's not just a bet at 22 to 1 for them to win the league. Each team is assigned a value of points based on where they think they're going to finish. So right. Hull, for example, are a good potential winner in the Premier League this year because they were expected to struggle at the bottom. They were given like a 39 point handicap. Yeah. So based on their points total finishing mid-table plus the 39 points, they're probably going to finish above everyone else, including the likes of Manchester City and Chelsea, right. who got zero or one point okay. handicaps. It's not basically backing a team to finish within 22 points of See, the, even, the league winning. Even when you think you're doing betting well, you're not. No, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Sums it up, really. Um, sorry, sorry, lads. Sorry. Burton lost 2-0 at Bristol Rovers on Friday. John Joe Tool scored one of them. There's a great interview of him on the BBC oh, Sport website. I know. It's like something from an you know, enemy kind of mid-90s band, well, isn't it? Roll. He's always been a bit like that. When he yeah. came through at Watford, there was... I mean, he's always had this attitude about Watch him. this morning, yeah. He's got the long flowing the hair. And, swagger. And he was quite ponderous, wasn't he? And sort of distracted. Yeah. And, but, but, but at the same time, there was something nice about yeah, him. Like, honest. It wasn't, exactly. It wasn't the standard, um, no, you know, media attitude yeah. strewn interview that you get yeah, from yeah. players. And, yeah. Um, he's he's in a really good run of form at the moment, scoring goals every week. And, and uh, I was listening to an interview with John Ward the other day, our old mate John. Oh, yeah. And... Um, I can't. I you got can't, it together. I can't, yeah. I can't listen to him speak anytime without thinking about a ridiculous gaff at the start of the season that I made. Listen back to that, everyone. To him, um, please. It's do still that. our most listened to thing on on SoundCloud. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> says it says it all. Really. Search terms on that are brilliant. Like yeah. That. But it, John Wall was basically Good saying point. that a part of the agreement to get John Joe to sign for the club permanently was that if you play well and a and a club from a higher level comes in. We ain't, we're not going to stand in your way. So uh, watch your space in the summer. I think you'll be off. But that was a big win for Bristol Rovers uh, on Friday. Down the bottom, Northampton won. Uh, Torquay lost, but Kings Meadow, AFC Wimbledon, uh, AFC Wimbledon nil. Barry won. And I've got Last to say... Last minute as well. Oh, you can't beat that. It was you? fantastic. No, you were saying that earlier. We, uh, I've got to say, I thought Wimbledon were the better side for most of the game. Um, but then we changed our two strikers about 15 minutes to go and we just had a lot more going forward and we had a couple of one-on-ones and you think oh we missed it we hit the bar and one kind of went around the keeper and didn't get his shot in and you thought oh it's gone and then in about the 97 minutes or four minutes gone up and the balls are messing around on the side gone out for a throw in suddenly Danny May has cleaned through and he's like don't balls it up don't balls it up Drills it low into the back of the net. 1-0 victory and um, four wins, five draws and two defeats from 11 games under David Flickcroft. One goal conceded in our last five games. It's got to fill us with confidence going into the last. We've still got 16 games to play in this uh, I was say, plenty 10 of teams, weeks. Yeah, we're, all, we're also all right saying 13 weeks till the end of the season, yeah. but many, plenty of teams have got 16 games or whatever to play plus, haven't they, because of the postponements. So. Well, I mean, I think the good thing for us is just we're not conceding many goals anymore, which has got to be a good thing. And we've been quite good at home as well. So all is looking up, which obviously will now mean that I'll be playing these words back in May as a fan of a conference side uh, right that is um, that's pretty much it as I said we can't really talk about the FA Cup uh, because of the games uh, sort of going on as we record this uh, but on Saturday we have got that big game Burnley Derby in yeah. the uh, the championship which we're all really looking forward to maybe we'll have some reaction perhaps to that and I think in the next couple of weeks we'll probably do some kind of state of play special again while we assess where these divisions are, are heading um, if you'd like to um, uh, get in touch on Twitter it's at Wagyu Podcast the website is wearegoingup.co.uk uh, you can also check out the SoundCloud page Page, soundcloud.com slash wagyu podcast and the audible offer is still available if you'd like to download a free audio book you can do audible.co.uk slash going up is the code you need go there and uh, yeah get on it get involved thanks dave hang on a minute oh what's going on why are we playing i'm just looking to see what we're playing next week we're not bloody playing on saturday when are we playing we're playing on sunday most unusual Oh no! It's just the BBC website didn't have it. We're playing. We're at home. We're at home to Blackpool. We're going to win. Hey, uh, Jim, Leicester. I don't even matter who you're playing. You're going to win anyway. Aren't uh, you? We've got Charlton. Home to Charlton. Saturday. 
So okay. The return of Chris Powell. Apologies to any Charlton fans about our lack of a visit this week. We couldn't really just go down yeah. there on we Tuesday night to. and sit. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we were good, no? We, we were going to do. We will do a big special from the Valley at some yeah. point. Well, it's a good job that we did notice, though, wasn't it? That's the <laughs> thing. Can you imagine if we just turned up Tuesday night, just rocked up? Bit quiet out here, lads. That's it. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you in seven days' time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the football league covered. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.